Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God knows what He's doing. And he made you, and he, he made you with a purpose and a plan, and it's, it's so important for us to be obedient. But notice, they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, even Moses didn't get to go in because of his anger and his disobedience. Caleb and Joshua and that younger generation were the only ones who got to go in. And so it was, verse 8, that they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. I should say so. Hi everyone and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn of the circumcision of Israel at Gilgal. Joshua makes it clear the reason why there was a new generation born in the wilderness. Because the old generation did not obey the voice of the Lord and take the promise of the land flowing with milk and honey by faith. This new generation was raised up in place of the generation of unbelief. God's work would go on, but the people of God who would not believe would not share in it. This also is true for us today. Those who do not believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will not share in the promise of eternal life with God. Let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. I think Rahab was one of those people. And God loved her. He saw her faith, and he's like, you know, I wish my children had that kind of faith. Have you heard Jesus say that in the Gospels? I've never seen so, such great faith. Why is it you, a Gentile, has, have more, much more faith than my own people that I've given the Scriptures to? And that's a real challenge to us, isn't it? But God had told them in advance that he would put the fear of the children of Israel in the hearts of those Canaanite nations. And so, um, let's go on here. And so, when you, when you consider this, you know, God was very much on their side. Are you on God's side? God was very much on their side. He had done so many miraculous things, prophesied before it came to pass, brought it to pass, and then sustains them in the way, brings them finally into the land. Is God for them or is he against them? It's very obvious that he's for them. Everyone is frightened of them. But are you on God's side? Do you love the things that God loves? Do you love the word of God? Do you love fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters? Are you on his side? To be on God's side means to to love the brethren. It means to love him. It means to examine the life and and to make changes where necessary because we're all being conformed to his image, right? We're all being sanctified daily. Are you willing to be go th- are you willing to go through that sanctification process? God's setting you apart from the world. And you know, I sometimes wonder if that 40 years, of course, that 40 years, at least one of the reasons 
that it took so long, and God kept them out there. As, you know, he brought them out of Egypt physically, but he had to get Egypt out of them. You know, and there's so much uh, it, people, even in the church, that, that you know, they've come out, they, they, they've given their heart to Christ, they may be born again, but there still remains the world that's got so much of a hold still on them. You know, and God still loves people. You know, whether they're a sinner or a, or a saint, he loves people. But even a child of God, there is, there, there, there is a process that God is trying to remove the world continually from you because we've lived in the world long enough. And God says, I want, I want the world to come out of you. You've got to be in the world, but you're not to be of the world. Isn't that what Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John 17? Lord, I pray that you don't take them from the world, but that you protect them from the wicked one. You keep them from the wicked one. But I've given them your truth. I am the truth. But are you on God's side? And we prove whether we love him by keeping his commandments and being obedient to him. And we will mess up. We will make mistakes. We will sin. But when we do, what do we do? Do we run from church to church or do we just confess? Right? The Bible says to confess. When we make a mistake, instead of trying to save face, just own it and, and, and ask God to forgive you and be restored in your relationship with him. In verse 2, it says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Now, what this doesn't mean that, he, that there's, he's circumcising the men who have already been circumcised. It's kind of pointless. Um, it, it doesn't make... Uh, it doesn't make sense to do something like that. But what happened was, if you recall, when they left Egypt, the, the, the men of war were, were circumcised, but those people who grew up, who were born in the desert, those, men of, those younger kids, they, they weren't circumcised yet, and so and now you've got a whole generation out here in the desert, a whole generation coming into the promised land that haven't been circumcised. And so those are the people that he does. And it says, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way. After they had come out of Egypt, for all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. And you know, when you look back in, the, in Genesis, we see the very... Um, the first mention of this idea of circumcision, it was called the Abrahamic Covenant. It was a covenant that God had made to Abraham. And this was um, after Ishmael was born, but before Isaac. It says, this is my covenant, God speaking to Abraham. This is my covenant, which you shall keep. And did the children of Israel keep this throughout the desert? No, they didn't. That's why it's having to be done. Were there other acts of, of disobedience that they did in the, in the wilderness? Yes, there were. There was a, quite a list of them. But was God faithful? Did he still love them? Did he still deliver them and bring them in? Of course he did. But he says, every male child among you, and this is God speaking to Abram, every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Notice, he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. All right? Every child, every male, every eight days. And not to go off on a tangent here, but I just, I can't help but mention this because it's such a fascinating medical fact now. You recall that Jesus was circumcised when he was an infant at the eight days, just like Moses said. And there have been people throughout history, different cultures, that have sought to circumcise their male child 
the day after they're born, and the child bleeds to death, right? And, and, and then they blame God, right? Or, they, or, they, or they, they somehow think, well, the, the Jews were able to do it. Well, God told them what specific day? He told them the eighth day. <laughs> he told them the eighth day. And why is it the eighth day? Well, there's a medical reason for this. There is a, a protein called prothombrin, and it's a, a protein that's produced by your liver through the presence of vitamin K, and it's one of the many factors that help clot the blood, help the blood clotting. And at, at the eighth day in a male, it is at over 100, over 100%. Days, you know, from the moment they're born up to the eighth day, it's, it's in low, the, 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 the vitamin K that's being produced that causes the liver to produce this protein is very minimal. But for some reason, on the eighth day, it spikes up to well over 100%. And by, sacri- or by circumcising your child on the eighth day, not on the fifth day, not on the fourth day, but on the eighth day, guess what? That child is able to clot. You know, the blood is able to clot, and they're not going to bleed to death. Does that make sense? And so does God know what he's... And this was just discovered just, you know, in the, in the early 20th century, why this is. And yet God, the creator, the maker of the body... Knows what he's doing, doesn't he? He made it so he can say, you know what? I, I, I made the body. I know exactly how it works. It's pretty fascinating. You don't even know anything about it. But in thousands of years down the road, you'll learn some things. But I've got it covered. Eighth day. Do it on the eighth day. Just be obedient. You don't have to understand it. Do you think they understood why? And part of the book of Joshua is about obedience, especially this chapter and the next chapter. It's about obedience. Are you going to be obedient? Are you going to be obedient? For the children of Israel walked 40 years, verse 6, in the wilderness, till all the people who were men of war came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. They didn't. They, they resisted him. And have you ever resisted the Lord? Has the Lord told you to do something? Or maybe he's revealed something to you. Maybe you've read it in the word of God yourself. But instead of being obedient to it, you find yourself chafing against it and, and, and fighting against it and saying, Lord, I know better. I can do better. I can do it and not get caught like so-and-so. I'm much more craftier than that. And, and God says, okay, you think you can do it better? We'll see you in a little while on the other side when you're in jail. We'll talk again through the bars, <laughs> right? God knows what he's doing. And he made you, and he, he made you with a purpose and a plan, and it's, it's so important for us to be obedient. But notice, they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, even Moses didn't get to go in because of his anger and his disobedience. Caleb and Joshua and that younger generation were the only ones who got to go in. And so it was, verse 8, that they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. I should say so. You recall back in Genesis chapter 34, there was a, a young lady by the name of Dinah. She was the sister of of, uh, of, the, of the 12 tribes, of, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel. It was one of their sisters, Dinah, and a young man who fell in love with her from the, from the, um, uh, from the Gentiles, whom God told them not to intermix with, the, with them. He saw her. He was totally Googles over her, lusted for her, couldn't restrain himself, and he ends up forcing himself on her. The brothers, now the law told them, they knew what the law was, right? What was supposed to happen to that man who forced a woman 
Was he to be slapped? Was his hand to be slapped and let go? No, he was to be put to death. And it probably would have been right for them to put the man himself, the man, to death. But Judah and Simeon had a craftier idea. So they made a pact with all the men because that young man who raped Dinah, his father was the king of Shechem. And so he goes up to his dad and says, Dad, she is so wonderful. I just love her to pieces. I lust her. I mean, I love her to pieces. Go get her for me, right? So the dad goes over, talks to the brothers, the 12 tribes, and they're like, okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I tell you what we'll do. You guys circumcise all your males, and we'll be one people. Isn't that wonderful? You guys circumcise. We, we're already circumcised, but you guys go ahead and do all of that. And, uh, and then we can intermarry and have, you know, our family be your family, mi casa, su casa kind of thing, right? So they do. All the men circumcise themselves. And while they're still healing, while they're still very sore, Judah and Simeon, they come in with swords and they kill all the men, including the young man who raped their sister. And so you can understand why they would still be, they needed to be healed. And that, that event, you know, I'm, I wonder if they, they were reminded of that when they, when they went through this process. But in verse 9 it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal literally means a circle or rolling away. could be referring to the circle of stones that they brought from the Jordan that, that day when they crossed over. Or it could refer to the rolling away concerning the circumcision that took place there. But in verse 10, it says, Now the children of Israel camped at Gilgal, and they kept the Passover. Notice, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And this observance of the Passover evidently happened only three times. Remember, God told them when they came out, he gave them this ordinance of the, of the Passover to keep it every year as, a, as a, something they would do perpetually. But all throughout the desert wanderings, there's only three recorded instances of them taking the Passover. And that was the first night that they came out in Exodus 12. And then at Mount Sinai, before they broke camp and made their way toward Canaan, which which is recorded for us in Numbers chapter 9. And this moment that we're looking at right now, only three times that it's recorded that they did it. Another thing that they weren't obedient to. So God is trying to get this idea of obedience. And again, it's so important for us as we read this, as we consider these things, am I being obedient to God? Am I being obedient to what he has already shown me? There's a lot of things we don't know, but the things that you do know, those are the things you need to be obedient to. See, a lot of people get into this habit of saying, well, there's a lot of things I don't know, so that means that I don't have to really be obedient to the things that are very clear. No, you have to really you have to be obedient to the things that you don't know and even to the things that you don't understand. Just be obedient. In time, the Lord may show you what, what, why, it, why it was that he wanted you to be obedient. But as, he, as uh, Samuel said to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better than sacrifice. Verse 11, it says, And they ate the produce of the land on the day after. Notice, they ate of the produce of the land. Isn't that what God said? For 40 years now, plus, they've been eating manna every single day. Manna kati, manna shakes, you know, manna, uh, manna burgers, you know, fried manna, you know, manna banana bread. You know, they've they, they just been eating manna every single day. 
but not but he told them when you come into the land you're going to eat of the produce of the land the grapes you're going to eat all this wonderful stuff and i can imagine wouldn't you be excited for a change of diet after all that have you ever eaten the same thing over and over again there was a time in my life where i ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every single day for years for lunch with a an apple a cheese stick, and a yogurt, and I ate the same exact thing for years. You can ask my wife. It's true. But when something else comes along, boy, you're like, oh, anything, you know, anything that's different, you know, you know, give me a dog biscuit. I'll, I'll gladly eat it, right? But they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. And notice this. This is so cool. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of Canaan that year. If you would look up at this crude, very crude drawing that I have up here on the screen. I couldn't find a picture of this anywhere, so I made one myself in in, in a fit. I'm like... I want to put this graphically on the board. If you look on the left side here, you can see during their desert wanderings, they were eating manna the whole time, right? Now, when they cross over, the day after the Passover, now they're eating the produce of the land. But there was one day where they were eating both. And, I, and you know, they, they, they were eating the manna and they were eating the produce of the land. And, and the reason I, I brought that up there is it just brought to my mind how the Lord just overlapped and made sure of their provision. He, he, didn't, he didn't, you know, cause you to go cold turkey. One day you're eating manna, and then the next day you're eating the produce of the land. No, he, did, he dovetailed it so nicely. And see, that is just how caring and loving God is. Do you see his character, even in that, his provision, his kindness? You know, I mean, because it's something they've, had, they've never experienced before. This is something brand new, and he made sure that there was something familiar to hang on to before he brought them into something new. Does that make sense? You know, sometimes in your life you, you hang on to something familiar before you launch off into something new. And sometimes the Lord allows that to, just to comfort you because he knows that it's brand new. And he's like, you know, I'm going to show you just how wonderful I really am. I'll, I'll allow you to have that, 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 you know, Linus blanket. You know, remember Linus's blanket? He always had it with him, you know, and there's a, there's a familiarity with it. And, and it made him feel comfortable. And God's saying, you know what, I'm going to do the same thing for you. I'm going to give you some, some of the, we're going to terminate this thing, but I'm going to dovetail it, and you're going to have manna, and you're also going to be eating the things, and the next day you're going to be like, wow, amazing. I just love how God is in that regard. He's such a wonderful provider. But notice in verse 13, this is where it gets interesting. It says, It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. Now this is kind of a no-no because he is the commander. Joshua is the commander. And he sees a man. He's like, who is this? Is this one of my own or is this uh, from an enemy? And if an enemy or even your own man has a sword drawn, when you didn't tell him to draw their sword, there's a serious breach in, in order here. He's the commander, Joshua. Who is this drawing his sword? Are you for us or are you against us? And then he realizes, oops, this is not who I thought it was. I think the Lord did this just to show Joshua, Joshua, I love you and I got a great plan and I'm going to use you in a powerful way, but you have to understand something. You have to understand that this battle belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to the children of Israel. This is a holy war. And you may think of that's kind of a weird term. 
But remember, for 430 years, he kept them in Egypt because of why? What does Genesis tell us? Because the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full. That means that there was a grace period God was giving to those Canaanite nations, giving it to them, but there came a point when God says, enough is enough. And then they came in. But he had to know, and it's, 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 a, it's a war. It's a, it's, it's, it's a war that God is going to engage. He is going to drive out those people, and he's going to dispossess them by using his own people. And so Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And so he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servants? So now Joshua realized there's something unique about this commander, very different from me. He demands my respect, and for something about him, even in his presence, I just feel this compulsion to kneel. There's something about him. Something about him. We know that this was the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ himself. It's also called a Christophany, which means that before Jesus was born through the Virgin Mary, there were times in Israel's history where God would show up. Jesus Christ would show up incarnate in a different form, in a different, you know, I don't know if they look the same. But he showed up and, and spoke and he intervened at certain times in their life. And there were hundreds and thousands of years, not, not too many thousands of years, but maybe a couple or hundreds of years in, in, in these times when Jesus would show up. And we see this when, when Abraham, remember in Genesis chapter 18, right before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, there were three angels that came. Three angels. And what is, it says in Genesis chapter 18, verse 13, and it says, And the Lord and it was, it was one of these three that was speaking to, to Abraham, and the Lord, Jehovah, the word is Jehovah there, so we know that this is not just an angel, this is the angel of the Lord, this is God incarnate. And the Lord, Jehovah, said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Because you know, he was telling about how Sarah would have a son, even in her old age. So we know that this was God Almighty in the flesh. And there were other instances in the Bible. In Judges chapter 13, you can read that of Samson and his parents coming into contact with an angel of the Lord. See, angels don't allow themselves to be worshipped if they're an angel of God. There was a, a, a being who tried to, get Satan, or tried to get Jesus to bow down to him, and that was Satan, wasn't it? A fallen angel. A fallen angel will gladly receive worship, but no angel of God will receive worship. But Joshua very naturally, very willingly submitted his heart to this angel and said, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? And the Lord, through all of this, as the angel stood before him with his sword drawn, the Lord was going to follow through on the promises he made to his ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I also believe that the Lord was establishing the order of rank, telling Joshua, Joshua, you, you are a commander, but I am the commander. Follow me. Follow me. You know, it's amazing the ego that a man can have. And it's very easy, you know, especially in the battlefield or going into battle, there's a, a captain leading this great number of people. And there's a certain amount of, of, of chutzpah that you've got to have. You've got to be tough. 
But God was saying, no, there's more than might makes right, Joshua. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.